That was When You Believe from the animated movie from Disney, Prince of Egypt. That serves to introduce our next segment. Now, I'm not sure quite what to believe about our next story, so we have called in the expert, Belita Jackson, who has a strong connection with Egypt. She's lived and worked there alongside her husband and daughter, so I'm sure she can and will dispel any myths that, for example, this is a land of sandy deserts and camels intersected by the River Nile for thousands of years. So, Belinda, please tell us, what is life like for the locals living in Cairo? And uh, what surprises are in store for those who want to make the effort to visit this ancient land? Graham, can I just say um, there are no myths. I mean, you know, something like 90%, 96% of Egypt is actually desert. So um, the idea that, that that there is sand everywhere is, is actually pretty true. Oh, right. Um, yeah, sorry about that. But, you know, um, and I think this is a lot of the Middle East uh, mis conception anyway that you go there just for the desert the two sides of two sides of Egypt are surrounded by uh, surrounded by water on the north coast is the Mediterranean which is probably one of the cheapest places you can have a Mediterranean holiday right and uh, and on the on the eastern side is the Red Sea so there's water water everywhere just not a drop to drink really and so Alexandria is on the on the bed isn't it That's the second right. Ale- city yes Alexandria is on the north coast and um, where's Cairo is Cairo is on the banks of the uh, the River Nile right, through the right. Nile, so so it's not a coastal city in that sense. But Alex, so Alex is on the northern uh, on the northern border, and that's why it's got this strong connection, uh, particularly with Greece. And you'll find that in over over the millennia, you know, there's been so much traffic between Greece and Egypt, and in fact, you know that that that's still reflected today in the society. There's a higher Christian population up in Alex compared to the rest of. Uh, most other parts of the country, and uh, and that's you know that's history that goes back thousands of years that it hasn't let go. That's right. Well, there's um, I mean, of course, there is a significant um, Christian population. Um, you know, the Coptics, is, yeah. The population wavers. You know, some people say it's ten percent or up to twenty percent, uh, and it does concentrate in some areas like Alex. But that was the amazing thing about Alexandria is that it was always such a cosmopolitan city. You know, it has so many overlays, and and yeah. in fact, if you just go under, you know, into the catacombs, you'll find. Roman ruins. You find the Greek um, Greek influence there as well. Some of them, you know, some cultures try to obliterate the existing culture, whereas others would integrate it. And you know, as you know, Romans were very successful in that. Just you know, taking over different feast days and um, and and drawing, you know, adding their own overlay onto an, an already internationally famous uh, ancient Egyptian civilization. Now, how did you come to live there? Well, actually, I. I flipped a coin. I was throwing up, and this goes back to the Buenos Aires story. I uh, I was tossing up between living in Buenos Aires and living in Cairo, and I because I wanted somewhere that had deep culture shock. And I, I'm not just talking about you know going somewhere where the hamburgers are different or they drive on the other side of the road. I wanted to be absolutely incomprehensibly lost. Was this so, a girl from Adelaide looking for this adventure? No, 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 I was from Melbourne, not from Adelaide. I just happened to be living in Adelaide at the time. So I flipped a coin. I'd been to Buenos Aires about a year before, loved it. It's such a fabulously dynamic city, you know, Mm. it's just just out there. Um, Cairo, however, I'd done a a little recce trip and and I just thought it's it's just so crazy, you know. There is more than 20 million people, the the entire population of Australia at the time, living in Cairo. Mm. And that's 
if they if they actually know how many people live in Cairo, you know, there's so many people, you know, flying under the radar that um, that you know it could be 20, 25 million. Who knows? An extra five million here or there. But it was just, you know, that that whole city just lives, breathes, moves, and you're just one part of it that that flows with some sort of success to the end of each day. I just found it completely intoxicating. So I moved there mm. and and lived there and worked as a travel as a travel writer from my from my little balcony in the in the center of of downtown Cairo. Wow, that sound it does sound exotic, I must say. It was very exotic. You know, even the you know, the soundscapes are different. You've got the call to prayer interrupting or you know, being part of the the soundscape every day, you know, the fact that you could still hear and and Egypt has changed a lot in the last particularly 15 years since I first moved there. Mm. You know, you'd hear the donkeys that were collecting the rubbish in the morning, you'd hear them braying on the streets. The, you know the sounds of the taxi horns are different, and and the, you know the language. Of course, then there's also the language on top of it. You know, this this you could not even have to open your eyes in the morning, and you knew that you were not in Melbourne anymore, Toto. We'll have to send you over there with a recorder. I, you know, I'm going back over in uh, in about three weeks' time, so I'll I'll keep you some. Yeah, I am. I'd be I really am. interested to hear the soundscape. It sounds it sounds fascinating. Do they still have donkeys collecting the rubbish, or have they moved to the pneumatic uh, charged trucks and stuff? No, the um, the the rubbish. There is a mix of, of both of them, and also, I mean, uh, Cairo is. Uh, you, you know, when I first moved to there, it was under um, Hosni Mubarak was the dictator who had. Yeah. Uh, been looking, you know, who'd been running the country for 30 years, and it was in a period of stasis. Under the current government, there's been dynamic amounts of change. In fact, you know, there's a new capital being built, a new Cairo being built on the outskirts oh, of, really? uh, of the old Cairo. So this is where okay. uh, the current president, Sisi, is putting his stamp on, on the city. And there was a revolution there in about, what, 2011 or something? There was, yes. That's Were right. you there then? I had just left, and right. uh, and it wasn't a bad thing because um, I I was actually expecting my daughter at the time, and and it was actually quite heartbreaking because it was the best you know it was the biggest story on the globe, and mm. I was stuck back in Melbourne, uh, heavily pregnant and crying because I kept having news bureaus ring me the time saying, "Can you cover this story?" And I was like, "I can't. I'm not I there anymore." <laughs> I know, I know. And then going back, you know, seeing the changes, and and I'm talking about. You know, not just not just a change of figurehead, but also because you know there was a period where the Muslim Brotherhood was uh, yeah, in power. Was in power. That's right, and then and then it changed and settled now to Sisi. So, right. um, but then there's also been massive cultural change. Like for instance, in in the in the heart of medieval Cairo, which is quite a conservative area called Islamic Cairo, and that's where you have you know great concentration of thousand year old mosques. And you know, Sufism is a is a part of life there. You would always dress more conservatively. You wouldn't walk down the street in a t-shirt and jeans, and that's that's changed incredibly now. Right. So you know, for the way that the way that people dress and the proliferation of I've got to say, fast food chains all the way through Cairo and you know throughout the Middle East as well. So I, I I'm torn sometimes because when I first went there is so different to to now, but then. You know, if if I loved the cobbled streets and the potholes and and that sort of thing, but if you're living there, you don't, you know, you, That's you don't part of the necessarily fabric. want. But you know, what if you could have a nice new road? You know, why is it that I want to hold it back in? In a period of antiquity, mm. but that—that's not to say that Cairo hasn't lost its charm. You know, its 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 ability to feed you until you are absolutely lying on the ground begging 
not to be given any more food. So that's, you know, that hasn't changed. So hospitality, uh, the Arabic hospitality generally is legendary, isn't it? It is, and with with good reason as well. It's. It, I think. I think that that's something that's often overlooked when you're talking about travelling in the Middle East. Is the is the warmth and the genuineness of the of the welcome that yeah. you do receive in in these parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, do you think is it vast? Is it going to be vastly different for somebody visiting uh, Cairo versus your time living there? I mean, the experiences are similar or not? Well, look, the pyramids haven't moved, Graham. They're still I there. I understand that. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, can, you get, can you get to the sort of cultural heart of a city if you don't live in it? Uh, look, I think, I think that's the, it's still the same. I mean, w- when we go to Cairo uh, as travellers, you know, there are certain things that you must, that everybody goes to see. They go to see the pyramids. They might go to see Sufi dancing. Um, you go to, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Shara El Moez, which is the... Um, the centre of Islamic Cairo, you know, where those those beautiful Mamluk period uh, architecture is, which is yeah. one of the most beautiful streets, I believe, in the Middle East, especially, mm. you know, where there's been so much desecration in, in countries around it, you know, in places sure. like Damascus. Um, Egypt has, has I think, realised that it's got something that, the, that that is being lost, you know, is being lost in other, other countries around sure. it. So you've still got you've still got that culture of those walking streets, but then there's there's new things coming up as well. Whereas we all went to the the gloriously grand Egyptian museum, the big pink one in Medan Tahrir, which is the square where a lot of the um, original protests began. Yeah. Uh, we've got the uh, grand Egyptian museum is going to be is uh, allegedly opening in November, and I'm sorry if I sound a bit. Um, uh, sarcastic but it has been you know they've been saying it's been opening for about for a eight while years. yeah but everybody's saying everybody a uh, word is what i've heard on the street is that uh, there are a lot of dignitaries flying in in november for its opening and that's going to be um the largest uh, gathering of egyptian civilization uh, artifacts in in the world it's going right. to be spectacular and in the meantime the egyptian museum the museum of egyptian civilization has also opened um, and that opened last year, which I which I visited, which is the new home of the twenty two royal mummies that were originally at the Egyptian Museum. So, so. Um, well, we're talking about, about a period of like four centuries or more, aren't we? Uh, well, yes, and 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 going back to and going back to prehistoric uh, era as well too. Right. So, so we've got we've got thousands of years of history there, mm. and also you know almost every week it seems like there's been a discovery of a new cache of of artifacts of mummies. Uh, just the new one in uh, Saqqara, which is another of the necropolis. The same as Giza on that Giza plateau outside yep. Cairo. So you've got Giza, Saqqara, and Dashur. So these are three different areas, you know, where they were sort of practising how to build pyramids. There's a few dodgy ones that lean over a bit or were <laughs> never quite finished, in, right. you know, in the middle of the desert. Um, you know, there's the Bent Pyramid and the Black Pyramid where, and before they got it right with Giza. So, you know, that's all on the outskirts of, of Cairo. And I think that those destinations are being integrated into travellers' itineraries much mm. more now. But then, you, you know, you can still go to a cabaret and see the latest belly dancer on one of the on one of the floating ships on the side of the Nile, which is great fun, mm. and and you know go into um, a four hundred you know a cafe that hasn't closed its doors in four hundred years in the middle of Karna Kalim, which amazing. is the yeah. which is the um, the market in the the central market in the in the centre of 
uh, in the centre of downtown uh, Cairo. So, it, I was going to ask, is it a generally a safe place to visit? Um, I think that it. I think that the. I think that the, the safety of the city has changed uh, since before Mubarak's time. Um, you know, every country that goes through a period of of economic uh, desperation mm. um, does does that has impacted upon uh, impacted upon Cairo. Yeah. Um, so I always think you know I. I do feel that it's you know it's the same as in if you're in Rome you know you you um, keep hold of your handbag you know sure. if you if you're in, in, you know any of those you know Paris Rome any of those sorts of great capitals you have to have the same awareness about you um, but then there are other ways of um, you know there's other things that you know while we might not like the the um, the gig economy it does mean that things like Uber are there. So we've got, uh, okay. you know, a safeguard of, which is which is really great for getting around the city and so you don't have to do that whole haggle and dance that you always had to do with taxi drivers. Yeah. I think taxi drivers generally, because they're the ones that pick us up at the airport, are the ones that drop us off. So they're always our first and last impressions. Mm. So things like the modernisation of, of Egypt has made travel definitely easier in that sense. I think that like any other... So, I mean, this is 20 million people we're talking about. You know, it's a big city. Things get lost in big cities. You have to have the same level of awareness that, that you would in any other city of that size. Right. Okay. I just checked the Smart Traveller reports yesterday for it, and, yeah. and they do put a caution They do put a caution on there, which is the same as probably about 30 other cities at the moment, right. that uh, to be aware, um, and it's on a reconsider your need-to-travel basis. Okay. But, well, it's fascinating uh, to hear you talking about your time you obviously loved it over there and the fact that you're going back is indicative of uh, a desire to you know rekindle uh, well, we, we we go back every i have family there so yep. uh, so it's really interesting you know to see the changes even after two years because of course we couldn't travel there during covid mm. and to see to see the city growing and progressing and even you know that the fact that it's got a new capital being built on the outskirts i think that a lot of the infrastructure for tourism for travelers is going to change significantly in the next 12 right. months we're talking new airports and right. new ring roads and the whole place is just being rebuilt almost well it's, it, it sounds great and i'm going to personally look forward to chatting with you maybe from there if we can get our times to work <laughs> 